It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. EP204 is about to penetrate your ears. Thanks for joining us. Jake Elliott, Tino Farah, and Evan Schemenauer right off the top as we make a little history here on Lax Class going with double co-hosts for EP204. What's going on, fellas? Tino, Evan, welcome back to Lax Class. Evan, do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> we need to figure this out right off the top. Well, here. yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting time trying to get away from lacrosse because we've had it for how long, right? Now, luckily, Aaron Judge, being a, a Yankees fan, has distracted yeah, me a little bit. We're not talking up. baseball, and especially <laughs> but, <laughs> not the Yankees on this podcast, Evan. Oh, Move along. Yeah, don't Move hate, don't along. He is heated about the Yankees. <laughs> I, am a, I am a Red Sox fan since uh, I, 1986, I and I don't want to talk about those guys either on Lax Class. I'm surprised he didn't get heated when he found out that my survivor pick Last week was the Atlanta Falcons. Wait, 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 wait. I need to to jump in here for a sec because I obviously wasn't on the episode last week, so I haven't had a chance to ridicule Evan for sewering my boys in cloud nine over Edward Gaming. Evan, are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Hey, and, you know and what? Then Dalek I, did it I, to I, us I, this I week. I picked this week. It was Dalek that screwed it oh, up. For us. Who takes the Cleveland Browns as a favorite on the road? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, here's the funny part about that is I'm like, he's like, he texts me after. He's like, oh, you know what, Jumbo? He goes, I don't know. You might want to take the Falcons. I've been brutal lately. And I was like, well, we've already submitted the parlay to Cool Bet, man. We can't change the pick now. And then sure as shit, like, I was just like, man, I, I text him. I was like, thanks a lot, Cleveland. And he's like, man, I, he's, like, he's like, I told you, I told you. I said, go Raiders, who ended up beating the Broncos uh, last, last Sunday as well. So a little payback there for him. But, yeah, Dallas costs us the money, and we'll try and do better this week coming up in quarter number four as our season previews continue here on this episode. Two down, and what do we got, 13 to go? Saskatchewan and San Diego are up this week. So we got Patrick Merrill coming up in quarter number three. We got Jimmy Quinlan coming up in quarter number two. Here in quarter number one, big focus as well. Uh, but what what else going on, fellas? What's new? What have you been doing over the weekend? We got a little banter in here right. off the top, Evan. Well, we had, uh, you know, our office recognizes Truth and Reconciliation Day, even though it's Saskatchewan. It's well, not I'm glad you brought this so. up, yeah. So, you know, and we had actually done a lot of work. And, you know, I think the people at our head people at our company now are kind of realizing uh, what we need to do and, and how we need to do it. So we actually brought in some indigenous speakers, went through a half day of awareness training for everybody. And we're going to continue that later this month. And, you know, it's just a uh, reading books, you know, as, you know, watching 
uh, documentaries and whatnot that they just, as much as I've been immersed in that culture for over a decade, there's still a lot I got to learn. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And what, what I think is cool is that how the, I mean, like I'm saying holiday in quotations, obviously it's not a holiday, but uh, for lack of a better term, it's, it's relatively new in, uh, in our world. And I like how quickly people have have taken it as seriously as they do. And you're seeing, like you were just talking about Evan, you're talking about people like uh, speakers being brought into companies and, and uh, it's happening with small businesses as well. And I watched a really cool video last week as well, where the Canucks who are currently in their training camp, just like the rest of the NHL, they brought in a speaker to come and talk to the entire team before one of their uh, preseason practices and stuff like that to just continue to try to educate everybody. So I think like, you know, I, I think it's so cool that that there's small businesses doing it at the same time as there's like large corporations like Canuck Sports and Entertainment doing it at the same time. I like how there's like a large spectrum, but for the most part, everybody's on the same page and just trying to learn as much as they can. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. You know, Danny and I went to uh, a museum in, in Port Moody that put on a documentary by Senator Murray Sinclair, uh, who essentially started the commission for truth and reconciliation um, a long, long time ago. And it's taken a long time to, to get to where we are now. And it was a, a fascinating and, and a real ter- tearjerker as well. Kind of hearing some of the stories from firsthand people that had been through the, the residential school system and, and some of the atrocities that were performed on them, you know, sexual abuse and making, making them eat their own vomit and, and just like some real heinous, stuff that will scar you for life and and it was it was an eye-opener let me tell you but i'm glad i went and did it i I learned a lot uh martin sparrow was there a a female chief from from musqueam was there to speak on uh on the documentary afterwards as well and it was a real enlightening day uh, uh, but a but a somber one like i kind of equate it to remembrance day right it's like tino said it's not a holiday it's a day off for people um but it's 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 time like it and it's great you know everybody wearing an orange shirt and posting messages on social media and what have you, but I would encourage people to take it a step further, like go be a part of something, go learn something, take some time to reflect and and educate yourself rather than just sharing a message on, on social or, or wearing an orange shirt, which are great things. Don't get me wrong, but take it a step further and, and better yourself and learn about our history. Like this, the Sir John A. McDonald was just an awful awful human being and some of the things that this guy did in his time in Canadian government like I just it makes me quite frankly sometimes be ashamed to be a Canadian Uh, and that's tough tough to say right because I'm a proud Canadian and it's so long ago and we've learned so much from then but it is part of our history and it's a dark one that people need to know and learn about like this pops up my memory wall every September 30th on Facebook it's a letter from an Indian agent, uh, and actually a high school principal, to the parents, basically saying, we are giving you the privilege of seeing your kids over the Christmas break. Like, that's, that was the attitude taken to it. It was, like, and it was, if you don't return them on a certain date, you are not going to get to see them again next year. Like, it was that yeah, and some of them didn't crazy. even get to do that, Evan. Like, some yeah. of them were just kept from their families as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just, you know. Take, take it a step further. That's, that's my advice. And, and, uh, I hope people do that. So 
like I said, big program coming up. Speaking of big guys, I gotta get this in there. I don't, you know, I gotta get my little disc golf story in because this is. I, I'm playing my first competitive tournament, boys, coming up this Saturday. And I want to say like 15 years. I'm, I'm some kind of fired up. I'm a little nervous. Haven't been playing my best uh, over the last week or so, but I'm trying to round things into shape here for a big tournament. 36 holes coming up on Saturday at Campbell Valley. So, are we gonna? Are we looking at a top 10 finish or what uh, are we expecting? I, I, you know what? I don't know. I really don't. Well, know. I could hang on. Hang on. Hang on a sec, Evan. Evan. First of all, I shut up about the baseball, but let's talk about uh, disc golf real quick. <laughs> yeah. Just, just forget about the – don't even think about talking about the Yankees or baseball, but also here's my disc golf story for the week. got to get it in. got to get it in. It's my podcast. I'll do what I like, Tino. You don't like it? <laughs> well, we got to see what the cool bets are on you winning the tournament, right? Yeah. They won't be high. Well, maybe they will be high. You can you can make some money because, like I said, it's been 15 years. But I'll have an update for you. Uh, try and contain yourself uh, for next week. I'll have an update for you next week. Uh, with that being said, fellas, let's get into it here. we got a monster program on deck, and now it's time for the big focus. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. Another the big focus. Big focus. Focus. Big focus. Tina, you going to do it? Big focus. Evan? <laughs> Go for it. My voice is not that good. Good. Big focus. Big focus brought to you by Rycor Construction. They make it stand out. Check them out on Facebook or Instagram at Rycor Construction, Inc. The website is www.rycorconstruction.ca. Family owned, serving the lower mainland. Residential interior and exterior renovations, kitchens, bathrooms, floorings, decks. 15 years of experience in the construction industry. They provide quality craftsmanship and provide an excellent client experience. Rycor Construction, sponsors of the Big Focus. And Evan, you came up with this little ditty this week. And you decided to go with, if we could change or add one rule to the National Lacrosse League rule book, what would it be? Mm-hmm. I got mine ready. I know you do too, Evan. Tino, what would, what would you do? So, okay, so... I kind of I, I have two. One of them is like sort of a cop out. So I'm going to start with that because it's really quick. I just I wish there was a little bit more clarity on like the the crease dive rule, the dunking. Like, can your stick touch the goalie? Can it not? Like, what's up with that? But that's kind of the cop out answer. I would like the 30 second shot clock to be removed when you're killing a penalty. No, don't say that. No. No, no, I love that not, rule. I love oh, that rule. We play that, or we used to play that. Uh, now I got to. Now I got to go get a freezing cold sound bite. To put no it way, for man. that take right there. I love. Okay, in my opinion, playing so power play when you're on defense is when in that circumstance is the most exhausting yes exhausting situation You're making ever my and point for me right now tino why it are makes you, for more goals why are you no it doesn't it gives you one possession listen why <laughs> would you reward the team that took the penalty by allowing them not to have to shoot the ball 
They're the ones that created the infraction and got penalized. And now so you're get saying, the ball back. You have an extra guy. Go get the ball back. Or run the 30-second clock and get it back that way. Like, it, it doesn't – you're rewarding the team that took the penalty when you hold the 30-second clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't really see it that way. I see it as, as, you know, I think it creates more offense in the way that – or it creates another avenue for offense in the way that you're probably going to see more shorthanded goals. Goals are exciting. Shorthanded goals are exciting. Whatever. You have the extra guy on the floor. If you want to look at it as the way you're being rewarded as the team that's shorthanded, fine. But the team that's on the power play has the extra guy. Go get the ball back. It's I I agree. It's the most exhausting position to have to be in. It's not as easy as just saying, go get the ball back. But if you want your advantage, if you want it to count, go get the ball back. Don't like mm. it. You're getting a cold take on that one, Tina. Sorry. tough yeah evan you go ahead you go ahead oh i've got like three so you you could not possibly take of course you do there mr ball hockey referee i uh (laughs) mine mine's pretty simple and and they used to do it and for some reason they took it away i was kind of talking to todd lebron chanel crew chief friend of the podcast not a big deal uh about this at president's cup as todd was in calgary he's from the area so he was coming to watch a lot of games and we were talking about coincidental minors and how they do not take the manpower off the floor. Like two guys will take a a coincidental minor and they stay five on five. I don't like that. I think it should be four on four and even three on three when it comes to that, which isn't very often. And I just say that because I think it's, it's a bit of a different game. It's more entertaining. There's more space on the turf. It creates more offense, more chaos, and it's something different. I know it's a little more difficult for the referees and probably the timekeepers to keep track of all that sort of stuff. But I'd like to see a little four-on-four four and three-on-three three from time to time. Yeah, I could see it happening. That's it. Here's, Tino, you got anything for me? You want to fire back <laughs> on that? Or do you agree with uh, I think I generally – I don't know. I, I don't really think I've seen three-on-three three lacrosse too often. So I guess I'm a little in, intrigued to see what that would be like. If it, I don't know. Maybe, maybe with that much open floor, it would – uh, it would kind of be boring in a way like everybody sort of has a one-on-one drive to just go to the net. Maybe like that. Uh, what was that thing that we said? The brave heart nah, or whatever. Where, uh, so I don't know. Like I'd have to see three on three lacrosse to be able to give a take on that, but I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't hate it. All right. Uh, here. So here's my main one. Okay. Well, pick, that, pick one. Cause we're not going okay, through all three. We're going, we're going with one here. And that is, and you know, with other ones were like enforce the salary cap and things like that. But the number one one I got is minimum standards for camera angles on goal reviews. And nothing pisses me off more where you got an arena where the camera is behind the net or the camera is over the goal but doesn't cover the entire crease. We're at a point in this league where we should be able to have a camera overhead that can see the entirety of the crease and a few feet outside so we get a proper angle on whether there's a crease violation, that we have a couple cameras on the outside that can get a good sense of where it is and that one of them is at least pointed at the shot clock to see if there's a shot clock violation. You know, it's there's nothing more frustrating than watching a game, especially in Rochester, which is about the worst of the lot, where all of a sudden it's uh, 
sorry, we can't review this thing because we don't have any camera whatsoever that tells us whether this was a goal or not. Yeah, There should be a minimum standard in this league if they want to call themselves a, the top professional league. There's got to be that minimum standard. Sorry, get that done. Yeah, I think having the standardized cameras, the same in every every single arena is is really key. And the, and the other one, like I said, not just the 30-second clock, Evan, but the game clock as well yep. synced up with the replay and what you're seeing on your screen. And you know it's achievable because we watch other sports and we see it, right? And it's crystal clear and it's smooth and it's – but this is where we are right now as a league, right, where it's an investment. It, it costs money to have the proper people in place and the cameras in place to do all these sorts of things. I think we're closer than we've ever been. And I'm, and I'm sure it's going to improve this year as well, but you're right. There needs to be an equal standard from arena to arena. Uh, You don't have to look too far back like Buffalo and and Toronto. Those games came down to literally milliseconds Mm -hmm. on, on final goals at regulation or an overtime or whatever the case is. So it's super important, especially come playoff time and, and, like it's a bit of a work in progress, but again, I think Evan, like from what we saw five years ago to where we are now has been a monumental improvement. It's getting better, is my point. It's getting <laughs> negative Nelson over there all the time. Uh all right. Anything else here for the big focus before we kick it to break? Nope. I think we're good. All right. All right. Let's take a break then. Quarter one is done. Jimmy Quinlan, head coach of the Saskatchewan Rush, joins us in quarter. Number two, Lax Class is back after this. This is Joey Capito of the Colorado Mammoth, and you're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on EP204 as we move into quarter number two, which is brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Stampede is all about the classics, and there is nothing more classic than the Storm Rider Jean Jacket. And our next guest might have one of these. The Storm Rider is lined with corduroy color features and classic styling. It's become the most popular jean jacket of all time. You can get it at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. They're out there in Cloverdale, Highway 10, corner of 180th, or you can shop online where it's still shopping local at stampede.ca. As our season previews continue here on Lax Class, as uh, team number three is on deck, as we welcome the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rush back to the podcast. Do you, have you got used to hearing that now, James Quinlan, the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rush? Welcome back to Lax Class, man. How's it going? Doing well. I, I haven't gotten used to it, one. And two, as for the jean jacket, I used to be way cooler in my youth, and I always had one. But I don't have one now, so maybe I need to add one to my wardrobe since I am the head coach. Yeah, well, maybe, uh, hey, listen, I'm giving you ideas right here on the podcast. Maybe you hand out the, the classic Storm Rider jean jacket to the player of the game this year. I know you guys, what, do you guys normally go with the hard hat or something like that? Jean jacket. Yeah, hard, hard hat. Well, last year we were a, a, an awful poker suit jacket, so... <laughs> I don't know. That might be too classy. The jean. Well, jacket. you could like Classic. you could iron on like an Iron Maiden patch or something to the back of it and scuff I it up. I actually had bit. an Iron Maiden patch as a kid too, so that's uh, 
you're you're hitting all the right <laughs> notes right here. I'm, I'd be worried. I'd be worried about the jean jacket being stolen what? by Mike Messenger. To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah. he probably cut the sleeves <laughs> off it, and uh, yeah, who knows what would happen. Throw a few logs with it, you know. All right, Got Jim. the boots to match. Yeah, so. absolutely. All right, Jimmy. Uh, let's talk some Saskatchewan Rush here. Uh, well, let's when we start with the draft and kind of work our way through things here. Uh, how did you guys feel? I know every team's usually pretty happy coming away with the draft, but maybe tell me what you're excited about. Well, we're really excited about uh, Austin Madronic. I, I, he checked every box for us in terms of uh, a player on the floor, but a person off the floor. So we're really excited for him. Uh, we love his versatility. Uh, we love that when we spoke to him, he said, you know, if you want me to go out the back or play transition, I even took face-offs, uh, you know, through junior that he's, he's willing to kind of do anything um, to help the team win. And that's kind of what has always been uh, a piece of the Saskatchewan rush. Uh, and then again, we felt, and, and it's like you said, we felt that we had some awfully good players who were higher on our board um, available to us in the later rounds. And so the end uh, the Badur. You're going to um, like that Enju Quinlan. Let me tell you, I don't know how much of the man cup you watched or, or not, but this kid as a junior, a call up, I thought was one of Langley's better defenders in the man cup. You're going to like this kid. Yeah. And so, yeah, we liked him too. And that's why we were so happy. I mean, he was a little bit higher on our board, actually quite a bit higher. And so to see him there when we picked uh, at 40th, we were, we were delighted. Um, and then speaking to him, he seems like, again, a, a great person uh, who's, who's very big on the sport. And that's kind of what we like. We like the, the lacrosse rats, so to speak. Um, and yeah, so, so Searle, Badur and Enju, we all thought that, um, they would be gone when it came our turn. And so the fact that we, we can add those players and, and bring them to camp and, and see what they can do and get to work with them, we're very excited. Well, and speaking of draft picks, you finally get uh, Barnable and Boudreaux, who he drafted a couple of years ago, back in the, into the lineup. What can we expect out of these two, especially with the deep roster you already have in defense? Well, I mean, we did lose Cornwall and Corbeil on that side. So those two guys, we spoke to them. I spoke to them, and they're, uh, the expectation is they're going to come in and they're going to get uh, you know a, a great opportunity to carve out a huge role with, within our team. And so um, really what we're looking for, for them to do is just to be themselves. Both are tremendous athletes with very good sticks, um, and they you know take care of the defensive end uh, first and foremost. And so um, we got to get them acclimated to our system. And then really at the end of the day, we got to let their skill and athleticism take over. Kind of sticking with this chronological theme that we're going with, I guess we started with the draft. Now the most recent news in, in terms of off season stuff has been picking up Alex Bouquet uh, through free agency uh, last season, you know, goaltending was kind of a little up and down started the season with shoot and then Penny and Penny kind of stole the crease late in the, late in the season and down the, uh, the, playoff push at least um now that you guys have brought in penny what does he bring to the team do you think it's still going to be uh penny's crease or is it going to be bouquet or going to be a 50 50 split well we spoke to all the goalies that we'll have in camp and to be honest it's it's an open competition and so um we're going to give them you know every opportunity to earn that crease i think again uh the consistency piece is one of the the hardest things to find in the national lacrosse league uh, the teams that have very solid, consistent goaltending. They're they're not giving them up easily, and and so it's your job as a team to find that. And so, um, you know, we we did some homework there on Alex Bouquet. We were, you know, Derek Keenan's familiar with him from his junior days, uh, and again, he was just a guy that, uh, you know, when we spoke to him, he seemed excited to play for us, and so he's going to come in just like uh, Penny will, and they're going to be given an opportunity to, to to fight for that position. And I think 
in speaking to the two of them uh, with their summer they had playing together in, in Ladner with the Pioneers and winning a President's Cup. They have a real good mesh, you know, and, and a real good understanding of each other. And so, again, you know, our goal in the offseason was to create competition in our crease, and we feel like we've done that. And uh, I wouldn't count out uh, the other goalies we have in well, camp. Well, yeah, I Cam wanted Dunkerley. to ask. Yeah, Dunkerley and, and who yeah. else you got coming, Jimmy? Well, we've got Harushka and then we have shoot. And so we don't really want to go to camp with five guys. So we're, we're trying to kind of figure out which one we, we want to unfortunately have to let go. But um, I wouldn't count out any of those guys because, again, you know, they all got very good pedigree. They're all very good goalies. And, and, you know, every guy, when they've been given an opportunity, has shown that they have the potential. And so for us, it's going to be figuring out which guys to Come go on, with. You and, know who it is already, Jimmy. Drop the news I, here on the pod and uh, <laughs> let other teams have a crack at this guy. I would love to drop the news on the pod, but I don't uh, know exactly where it is because for the first time in the history of the rush, I will drop something on the podcast. Okay. We're going to have a goalie coach. And so oh. we can't obviously, we can't announce that, but in the first time in the, in the history of the rush franchise, there will be a goalie coach. And so we're going to actually have to get together with them here before camp and make sure that we're, all on the same page. Wow. So that's kind of where we're at. Jammer, so. Jammer's in trouble at the post-game uh, post or post-shoot-around shootout there if, uh, if you're getting a goalie coach because he's having a little hard time getting that bouncer by the guys now. Never mind having a goalie coach in camp. Hey, speaking of, of coaches, Cam Sedgwick named to the coaching staff as well, and I know he was riding shotgun with you at the President's Cup as well, and I thought that was fantastic <laughs> for you guys to kind of start to build a relationship, a coaching relationship, uh, prior to the season, and that one kind of came out of left field for me. But Cam Sedgwick, uh, where where did you kind of come up with the idea that Cam would be a good fit for you guys in Saskatchewan? It was Derek actually. Derek brought his name forward at the end of the season when we were we were looking at candidates, and he said, "What do you think of Sedgwick?" And I said, "Well, I don't really know him to be honest with you. I've only ever played against him, and I really liked his game um, all the way back from when I was a kid in in New West, and he was playing senior, and so." Um, I always thought there was something to him. I liked that he was, you know, willing to play defense. He was willing to go back and check. He was defensively responsible. And every time I watched him play, I always thought he was just such a smart player. And so um, a very cerebral guy. I didn't know him again. So that's kind of why we were able to, to work a little bit or why we chose to work together at the President's Cup was to just get uh, acclimated with each other. And um, I was meeting with him yesterday and he's just got some wonderful ideas. And then uh, again, just a student of the game. And I, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with our offense because uh, the small nuances and the details that he preaches, uh, I think are going to make us uh, even more dynamic. Now, is Derek going to be like lingering around on, on the bench again this season, or is that going to kind of go by the wayside? What's, what's going to happen there? I have no clue. I have no clue. I know that when he was uh, at the end of the year, he was still lingering around the bench, not saying too much. Um, but again, when he does speak, it's always, you know, listen to, yeah. Um, he's a very well-respected guy. Uh, him and I have had uh, probably too many conversations this summer that he would, if, if, if you were asking him, not enough if you're asking me. Um, but uh, again, he's uh, always a, he's always welcome um, input for me because uh, I think, again, the way he conducts himself first and foremost with the players and then his knowledge of the game, um, I, I can't say enough good things about him. Well, hey, just truth be told, before I let Evan jump in here, we did reach out to Jammer before we, we called you, Jimmy, because we like to try and get the GMs on if we can. But uh, Derek was the first guy to say, hey, go get Jimmy. I'm in Venice 
right now. So uh, <laughs> sailing the, the canals of Venice right now. I, I told you this is the gap when GMs and coaches go on holidays mm-hmm. prior to the season. And uh, Derek Keenan down the canals of Venice right now. How about that? Yeah, and I think I went to Calgary, so that'll tell you a lot. <laughs> you, you think? <laughs> I don't. I'm trying to think of my last vacation, and I don't know. My wife and I stopped calling them vacations. There, we call them trips because yeah. when we bring our kids, it's anything but a vacation. So it's just a trip. <laughs> so that's what we call them in the Quinlan household. Well, actually, I was going to ask you about Keenan because I mean, you've coached with him for a long time already, but as a head coach and now as an assistant GM. How is the tutelage under the greatest of all time going? It's very good. I, I think uh, I, 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 I go back to when I played for him and he kind of was annoyed at me always because I'd always ask questions and I was always very inquisitive into why we do things um, or why we you know chose to do something the, the way we were doing it. And, and I think it hasn't stopped. So I think there's some times where, you know, um, I continue to ask and he eventually just tells me, you know, we're, we're going this way. And so, what I find with him in terms of his tutelage is he's uh, very open to ideas, but at the end of the day, he sticks to his guns and he's got a plan. And I think that's the biggest thing is to have a plan. And so, you know, whether it be bringing guys to camp or, you know, signing free agents, you know, he really makes sure that you've done your due diligence uh, and you're being respectful of the, the players you have already on your roster. Uh, and again, there's no sense in bringing someone in if you don't see that they're going to be a better fit or improve you. And so, um, I think, again, having that focused direction and having a plan has been something that uh, I, I continue to lean on daily from him and I continue to bug him about. So he hasn't quite taught you how to pick every GM's pocket of every draft pick they got yet? No, he hasn't, actually. I've actually <laughs> talked to a couple of GMs. He's actually allowed me that opportunity to talk to talk to a couple of uh, other assistant GMs or GMs. And it, it's been uh, an eye-opening experience. The one thing... Uh, I would say is there's not a lot of GMs that really are that uh, eager to make deals with them. So maybe when I get in there, they'll feel like they can fleece me. And if I've learned anything or maybe I'll win a trade or two. Uh, So last season, you guys obviously finished like just on the outside looking in, in terms of the playoffs, but you ended the season on a four game win streak. So now that you've had that chunk of the season and then a full off season, and now you're going to be heading into a full training camp and regular season under your reins. Um, do you plan to approach this season any differently than you did uh, the season when you came in last year, or are you just going to kind of let the rush do their thing as they, as they did in the second half of last year? Well, I think in the second half of last year, we really got back to just kind of relaxing and having fun. And so I, I think that's who I am. I'm a guy who's an up tempo high energy guy and so I think that will be the biggest thing for our camp is we want it to be competitive we want it to be fun we want guys to want to be at the rink um, and at the same time we've got to prepare ourselves and so uh, you know Jared Talevi and Cam Cedric and myself have already kind of got the the camp plans in place and where we're going to build things and we really want to uh, make sure that come opening day uh, we're ready to go because we felt like last year had we banked a couple more wins early in the season we would have been in the playoffs and we would have been a dangerous team in the playoffs and so uh, we need to ensure that we're putting ourselves in the best position possible to get out to a fast start uh, and that starts in camp and so we have a small camp we've only got 25 runners coming to camp and we're going to make sure that we're teaching and we're coaching and we're pushing the tempo so that you know, our last exhibition game at the end of November, we're, we're playing our day one roster and come December 3rd, we're ready to roll. Interesting. So essentially, whoever's coming to camp, Jimmy, it sounds like they're going to be there on the team, essentially with 25, maybe one. Yeah, uh, yeah. 25, 25 runners and four goalies. Okay. And so, okay. A couple well, extra bodies. 
So yeah, we'll end up with 20, I think it's 22 runners and three goalies. So there are some, but again, every player that's, and we've talked to every player and we said that you're coming in with the purpose that we believe that you can play in this league and now you got to show us it. And so um, we're going to have some tough decisions as a, as a coaching staff. But again, for us, we really want to make sure that, you know, and that's how we used to always do it. We always used to have small camps. We yeah. were also very focused and, and direct in what we wanted in camp. And, and so that's kind of our direction we're taking this year. And so for us coaches, it's important that we uh, put our position or players in positions to have success. And then we, we make some tough calls. Yeah. That's always kind of been the mindset of the rush, get into the systems early and, and hit the ground running early in the season. And uh, just before I get to my question, Jimmy quickly, uh, as far as camp goes, I know you guys usually spend a little time out in Langley for, for some camps is the plan to go, a little bit in the, the West and a little bit in the East and then maybe one week in Saskatchewan again? No, we're actually, uh, we're, we're getting some exhibition games out East with some of the Eastern teams. Um, yeah, so we're going to be in Saskatoon and then we'll do two in Toronto and we actually finish off in Calgary. So okay. those will be, those will be our four weekends. We did, uh, discuss kind of going to Vancouver, but I think we'd already had some things lined up in the East and that's where we went that way. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, let's talk about some of the guys that are moving into their, their second or even their third year here, Jimmy, and, and a couple of guys that you might like to see take a step forward. I, I know it wasn't a particularly banner year for Josh Courier. I'm sure he's going to bounce back. Marshall Paulus, you know, I I think the ceiling is, is still a lot higher for him, but coming off another good summer, uh, expecting higher things for him. And, and maybe on the back end, uh, like a couple of guys, like like you know what you're getting out of Rubes, which was a big re-signing for you, and Messenger and Beers and, and Garland. You know what you're getting out of these guys. But, you know, Bobby Kidd back for his second year. Connor McClelland as well. What are you looking for out of, out of the young guys after a year or two uh, under their belt in the league? Well, the first thing that they've all been told is you better come to camp in shape um, and ready to go and ready to challenge for a spot. And so, um, you know, Courier, uh, again, we, we didn't think that that was the Josh Courier we traded for. Uh, it turned out at the end of the season that he had a bit of an injury throughout the season that we weren't totally aware of. And so, again, he's uh, he's assured us that he's healthy and, and excited to be in camp. And so, again, we're going to give him every opportunity to – show what he can do. And again, he's, he's a guy who scored over 30 in the league on, on, I think a few occasions. And so again, uh, when we made the trade for him, we thought we were, we're getting that kind of an output. And so that's what we're, we're hoping shows up in camp. Um, he did struggle at times getting acclimated to the offense. So we're, we're hoping that having a year under his belt, he'll feel a lot more comfortable with how we kind of operate offensively. And then the same thing for Marshall Palace. He, he spoke to us at the end of the season uh, in our exit interview. And he said he's struggled at times picking up the system. And so um, hopefully again, that coming in this year, he'll feel a little bit more comfortable in the system and just be able to play his game because his skill and his vision and his IQ are off the charts. Um, we just need him to be able to make those decisions a little bit quicker. And, and we're hoping that that kind of year of already being in the NLL will help him. And uh, back end, uh, Bobby Kidd, Connor McClellan, I think the biggest thing that we're looking for from, from those guys is just to, to push really in transition and, and to add that element to their game. And so we saw that a little bit at the end of the year with Bobby Kidd. I, I you know, he, he expressed to us just wanting to be solid defensively and we thought he was really good. And now it's, you know, adding a little bit more to his game in terms of transition and the, and the same would go with, uh, go for Connor McClellan. And so um, we're really excited about our back end. We feel we've got a number of guys that can really push the pace. And so um, we're going to give those guys the green light and, and the opportunity to, to, to push and transition and, and take advantage of opportunities when they're there. 
One of the things that happened, of course, this summer was the emergence of the Rocky Mountain Cross League, and I guess maybe the national recognition of the Rocky Mountain Cross League. What is all this talent, maybe not even locally in Saskatchewan, but having them close by, going to do for the future of the rush? Well, again, it's very interesting. I mean, I think the the Minto Cup and the showing the minors really kind of started to, I think, let the rest of the country know and North America know that there's some very good lacrosse players in Alberta. And I think, you know, for us, it was almost unfortunate because there was a number of guys that we really liked. Um, and then with the showing they had, we ended up not being able to get them. And so I think really what it's starting to do is it's just starting to kind of open everyone's eyes in terms of the, the talent. So really, um, rather than just looking to BC and to Ontario, there's there's a few other provinces that if you, you know, take the time and, and you actually go do your homework, you can find some very good players. And so we felt that the, the, the last draft, there was a number of times where we were, you know, expecting to get one of the rocky mountain lacrosse league talents and they were gone by the time it came our turn to pick and so again we were really happy with what we got but at the same time i think i think the rest of the league uh, the teams and the leagues are starting to kind of notice that there's some very good lacrosse players here and you can look no further than that colorado team that just won a championship i think they've got you know a handful of guys that come right out of alberta um you guys have one of the strongest leadership groups in the NLL, I'd say with guys like church and Matthews and beers and messenger, just to name a few, but uh, the captain, Chris Corbeil is no longer with the team. Um, So, I mean, a, what kind of legacy does he leave behind, but B what's the room going to look like now with him gone? Well, in terms of the legacies, uh, he's the best captain that the rush have ever known. And so um, I think his three championships, four championship finals, speak for themselves uh he's the consummate pro on and off the floor uh he leads with his voice but he also leads by example um so we'll have some big shoes to fill in that regard but i I, again you know we're gonna pass the seal along to ryan dilks who we think is Ah, every bit the leader yeah yeah so he's every bit the leader and he's excited at that opportunity and then you know we've got guys who've been captains on other teams like matt beers um, so we got a lot of leadership in that room. Mark Matthews is tremendous. Like you said, Kyle Rubish does an unbelievable job of just leading constantly, consistently without saying too much. Um, you know, you look at our O.N. Ryan Keenan's been around for a long time. He's the first guy to, you know, congratulate his teammates when they're doing well. And, and he holds everyone to a high standard and accountability. And then we got young guys like Holden Garland and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think we've been very fortunate in that Corb's, led all those guys the right way. Um, and so I think they've had an easy guy to follow. And so we're just going to, again, continue to allow them to be themselves and, you know, to, to speak if they want to speak and to lead by example, if that's how they choose to lead. A couple more minutes here with Jimmy Quinlan, head coach of the Saskatchewan rush uh, beard, making a comeback there. Q what, what's happening there. It's coming in nice. Oh. Now. What are you, what are you doing? Oh, it's always on the fence. It's, it's, I'd love to have it, but it's a lot of work. And my, uh, Wife is not always the biggest fan of it, but uh, as the weather gets colder here, sometimes it just naturally grows. So I, I'm undecided, but I will assure you that I'll have some fun haircuts throughout the year. I can give, guarantee you that because I only got, I think, a few years left before I start losing it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some fun while I can. And we gotta figure out who's who's behind the Twitter account, Jimmy Quinlan's beard. I don't know if you guys follow that or not, but there's a Twitter account out mm-hmm. there for your beard. 
Jimmy, which yeah, is... I, rem- I remember that, but maybe I'll have to make an appearance with it again. So maybe if you resurrect the Twitter account, Fired I think it's pretty, dorm- Fired <laughs> it's pretty dormant right now. Uh, last one for you, JQ here. It, you know, with, with the amount of time that you got as the head guy there last season, coming into this year, I'm sure you did a little reflecting after the year was over. What did you learn about yourself as a coach that you can use going into this year? Well, I think to be me, um, guys like energy, they like my energy. Um, again, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing. I think really the, the, the players that I've spoke to and the players I, uh, you know, that I worked with, they love to be coached. And so again, I think that my job is to make sure I'm as prepared as possible and to continue to just give these guys information and give them what they need. And then again, that happens by talking to them and communicating them. So to continue, I love to talk. I love to communicate. So I think that's the one thing I did learn some things that I, I, I felt that maybe I have some room to improve on. And so, you know, like those what? late, game, Tell me. Uh, late, late game situations, Jake, it was really interesting there because we were in some tight ones down the stretch and, you know, whether to use your timeout, not to let use your timeout, let, let it play, don't let it play. And then, so some of those finer nuances like yeah are we pulling our goalie if we go six on five are we not and so again just I think really what it is is it's trying to identify what type of team I I I want us to be in those moments and then really stick into your guns and so um it's sometimes tough because sometimes the guys that you've worked with in the past sometimes all these their ideas aren't your ideas and so again I think that was kind of one of the areas where you know as that game got to those stressful moments um, those are the ones I think as a young coach or a new coach, they can be a little bit hard, but again, to, to go through those scenarios with your assistant coaches and, and with your GM and with even some of the players and say, you know, what do we feel like is the best situation here? And then ultimately having a plan. Um, I, I think those are the, those are the things that I really need to kind of hone in on. Um, and again, they excite me because again, I don't think there's necessarily always one right way the right way is when everybody's on the same page and so that's my job is to communicate and to get everyone on the same page and then just to bring my energy and be me appreciate the time as always jimmy you sure you don't want to tell us the goalie you're going to let go and who the the, the new coach is before we <laughs> before we let you go the new i would love to but uh the guy who's sailing the canals in venice would probably not be too happy with me that's fair. and that's so uh he's back in a few short days and hopefully we'll have something finalized and everyone in the lacrosse world will be on the same page so all that's right. all like well we'll miss you uh, out here in langley for training camp but i'm sure you were sure we'll cross paths uh come the winter time my friend thanks for doing this good luck with the rush this season thanks a lot you have a good day there he is, Jimmy Quinlan, head coach of the Saskatchewan Rush. And I know, like, I've known Jimmy since he was a, just a young buck there in New Westminster. He mentioned playing junior and just happened to be on the bench with Jimmy as a player. And, and listen, even back then, the way that Jimmy would interact with me, and, and like he said, he asked Derek all these questions all the time. He did the same thing when he was just a, a 16, 17-year-old kid, and you knew from an early age that this guy was going to go on to a really good playing career and then probably stay in the game as a coach afterwards. And a lot of years as an assistant, now he gets his crack as a bench boss for a full season. And I know he's got high expectations of himself, and I'm sure he's going to try and meet those to the best of his ability as well. Well, you think about it, with all the success the Rush have had, there's still only one number up in the rafters. 81. That's the only one. There you go. Tino, any final thoughts there before we kick it to break? Yeah, we got some breaking news. We got a uh, new captain of the rush. There you go. Not too bad. <laughs> Not too bad at all.
Uh, quarter two is now over halftime. Catch your breath, ladies and gentlemen. We're moving to the third quarter, and the head coach and general manager of the San Diego Seals is on deck. Patrick Merrill, next here on Lax Klaus. This is Craig Rubzinski, the voice of the Rochester Nighthawks. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Into the third quarter, second half action is a go here on EP204. Jake Elliott, Tino Fair, Evan Sheminar with you. And with us since day number one is Stampede Tack and Western Wear as they sponsor our season previews here along with the classic Storm Rider. We talked about that in quarter two. Stampede Tech is Cloverdale and Canada's largest selection of boots. If you've never been by the store, truly hope you stop in one day and check out their famous boot wall. We talk about the boot wall a lot. We're not kidding here, people. It is massive. Everything from traditional Western CSA work boots are featured in their Blundstone Cowboy men's, ladies, kids. It's all there in Cloverdale at the highway t- corner of Highway 10 and 180th. They've been there since 1966 or stampede.ca. Shopping online is still shopping local. Support your local businesses, people. Uh, welcome. I don't know if this guy's got, but you got a pair of blendstones, Pat Merrill. Welcome back to Lax Clap. Uh, thanks, boys. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I'm the only one in my family that doesn't have a pair, so I'd love to check out that wall. Okay. Well, uh, next time you're in Vancouver, or just hit up stampede.ca, Pat. You can just do the ship them right to you. It's fantastic. Uh, best boots you're ever going to buy as well. Welcome back to Lax Class, man. Uh, I would say, Pat Merrill, a pretty good off-season for the San Diego Seals. As you guys go out and land the big cat and Superman, I just, I keep picturing this offense in my head, and I'm sure you've been doing the same thing for the last little bit here of Doby and Dixon and Crowley and Berg and Audie. How is this all going to work with that amount of studs on one offense? I guess that's a good problem to have, eh? Yeah, absolutely. As I've been saying lately, that's kind of Shooter's problem, right? Up there on the front <laughs> door, I try to stay out of his way. Yeah. But uh, no, no, it's uh, it's a great problem to have, you know. And uh, uh, you know, we're, we're really excited about uh, about the group offensively. And uh, but but we know, and and they know as well that these guys have been around for a while, and they know that uh, in order to win, it's uh, um, you know, there's obviously only one ball, and 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 you know, what matters is not kind of the names that you have on paper, but how it comes together, and 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 how chemistry forms, and how they execute. So. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, we couldn't be more excited to have that uh, group of guys running and, out the front door. And with with that group, like with the exception of Dobie, who's won a couple of championships, I think the common thread here with, you know, especially guys like Crowley and Dixon, well, Dixon's got, got some too, but these guys want to win a championship, especially Kevin Crowley, and they're, they're going to be willing to do whatever it takes. They've put up the numbers in this league. They've had the all-stars and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Now it's about winning a championship and buying in for the greater good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, uh, I'll be honest, uh, guys, I, I, we were hoping, um, you know, we, we wanted to take a run at both of them in, in free agency if they were available. And, you know, we thought we'd be lucky to land one of the two, to be honest. And, uh, you know, to get them both was, uh, you know, um, you know, pretty, pretty exciting. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, if they weren't built the way you just described, right, if they didn't, 
um, you know, kind of put winning, put winning first before their own ego. And, you know, even, even when it came down to kind of the, the offers that they were receiving from us and others, um, it, it, it just wouldn't work. Right. It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't have happened. And, and it certainly wouldn't, wouldn't work uh, within the dynamic of the team. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it, it's, uh, definitely a testament to them and the rest of the guys, you know, uh, how, how excited they were, were to get the chance to play together. And, and with the other guys, you know, I, there was nothing but excitement coming from, from every old guy that I called when, uh, when I told them we were able to sign those two. So, you know, we think we have a pretty selfless group up there and, uh, uh, that's going to be important for us going forward. Of course, Brody is perhaps the greatest player in NLL history yet to win a title. When he played his last PLL game, he was very non-committal about uh, coming back next year. Is there more pressure to get Brody a title more than ever now? Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't feel that. I, I don't think he does either. I, I would say that, you know, uh, the, the title talk over the last couple of years, you know, maybe weighed on him a little bit, but you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think, you know, he, uh, he came, decided to come back for, for, for many reasons. I think, you know, if he, you know, last year he, he stayed healthy. I think he had a great season. Um, he felt like he was still contributing and, um, and then, you know, uh, you know, but it's a lot, right? It's a he grind. He just loves to play, away. Pat. Does he not? He, like he, he just loves, he loves to, to play. play and he loves to compete. Yeah. Right. And he, and he loves his group of guys. Right. And he loves this organization. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, um, over and above, you know, winning a championship. Right. And so, um, yeah, but I will say that, you know, to answer your question, I think if you noticed, um, he didn't sign too far after we signed those two other guys. <laughs> recent <laughs> so i think I, I i certainly don't think it felt like pressure to him i think it was more okay you know this is this is pretty cool i can't miss out on this tell me what is that dynamic like pat because it you and and, and brody are in a very unique situation where your brothers you're his coach but you're also his general manager and you're talking to a guy that's going into the hall of fame the day that he hangs it up, but mm-hmm. you got to negotiate a contract with this guy. What is that like? Yeah, I, I, uh, he's one that I kind of pass off to, to Steve okay. more than okay. uh, he's well, the uh, only one on the team. No, I, no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think he, he knows, I, you know, I think, uh, uh, we've always had a really good relationship. We even, we work together too on a daily basis at the Hill too, away from, uh, away from lacrosse. So we're around each other a lot. And, um, you know, I, I think the way it works is just because we're different, right? We, we, um, we care about each other a lot and, um, but you know, we kind of have different types of personalities too. So I think, yeah, I think that's the reason why it works, but, uh, and you know, at this stage in his career too, as you know, uh, like he's, I, I I feel like he could pr- pretty much coach on any well, bench yeah, in the league too, right? right? So like you probably don't have low to. Maintenance. Yeah, you he's don't have low to. Low maintenance. Yeah. I think just yeah. By the when you walk into a room and you just kind of see the expression on on your face, you know that on his face. Sorry, I, I know exactly kind of what that means at this point. Whether I need to say something or not, and right. usually it's it's not saying much. So um, 
you know, and, and the guys look to him so, so much too, as a, as a mentor and, and a leader and, and someone that they can rely on in that way too. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's so much fun to get to do it together. Uh, I want to build off of Jake's, uh, first question from the interview when he was talking about all the stars on, on the offense and how there's only one ball, but I kind of want to transition that into the locker room. Cause there's, they're mm-hmm. all just a bunch of winners and, you know, there's, only one captain. There's only so many leaders on the team. Like what's the, what's the room going to be like with, with that many guys in the team that have such winning pedigree? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking, looking forward to seeing what that looks like. I mean, uh, you, you never quite know until it starts, but um, you know, I think overall, and it goes with um, you guys know how passionate Josh Sanderson is. I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty passionate about winning and, and, and competing. And I think that's just the way the guys are, are built right and that's kind of what works for us you know um is you know we have guys that are kind of emotionally engaged right and these two guys coming in are are no different so you know we're going to go through our highs and lows together and and uh you know but at at the end of the day um you know it's all good you know i think uh challenging each other to be the best that we can be is is great and sometimes that comes from you know a pat on the back sometimes that comes from a kick in the ass right some accountability so um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, it's, I think more so than anything, you're exactly right. I think it's going to be a group of kind of like-minded guys, right. That, that share the same passion for winning. So we'll see what that, we'll see how that comes together and, and, and what that, you know, how far that takes us uh, here with Patrick Merrill and Billy might run hotter than, than both you and Shooter, which is, <laughs> uh, which is something, yeah. saying something, uh, speaking of a guy that that's running hot. I would have to say your starting goaltender and Frank Shiliano, who you lock back up here mm-hmm. is, is running pretty hot right now. I'm sure you watch the man cup and, and mm-hmm. the run for the Langley thunder in the playoffs. And that's got to be real, uh, real encouraging for you to see Frankie playing at his best coming into this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, he, he, he had a phenomenal summer and, um, not just the man cup. I felt like he played really, really well all summer. He's pretty consistent and, um, you know, I think, you know, but that's, that's, I think who Frankie is, you know, and, and, uh, that's why it was so important for us to make sure that we're able to protect him and, and, and do a deal to, to make sure that we kept him with, with Vegas and, and then also, uh, you know, have Chris there, uh, backing him up, uh, this season, because I think, um, you know, they'll, uh, they'll provide us with a great goaltender tandem going forward. But, you know, I think what we, what we realized from last year and um, I think this is how Frankie approached the summer was that we weren't, we weren't good enough, right? We got beat by a better team in Colorado um, and all of us as a, as a group, um, you know, I had to look ourselves in the mirror and, 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 um, and realize that we, we needed to take a step in the off season to be, to be better if we wanted to go further. And um I think that was his mindset going into the summer and, and that carried him all the way to the, to the man cup. And, uh, you know, I know, you know, Frankie's going to be ready for training camp and, um, and really hungry to, uh, to be, to be a little bit better than he was last year. One of the things we've seen over the last couple of years is it seems to be an untimely injury or two that just hampers the seals, whether it's Audie mm-hmm. or, you know, Dane last year, um, you know, injuries plagued you with that losing streak towards the end of the regular season. Mm-hmm. How do you approach, especially with an older team, to, mm-hmm. I guess, do some maintenance? Is it you rely on your death more, or is there other things you're going to do to try and minimize the impact of the injuries? 
Yeah, I think that's an awesome, awesome question. I think that's a huge. Um, <laughs> Sorry, you know, Pat. I, Sorry, we have a little good question, great question thing here where, you know, you get a little ding if you get a great. Awesome question. No. <laughs> No, no, Evan, you're not getting it. Just sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, boys. Well, I, I'll, I'll make sure I even know Jake. Okay, well, on the on the call okay. for the three. Right. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's a really big part of this league because it's a seven, six seven month grind, right? And um, obviously there are injuries that you can't avoid or you know, and and none of them you can predict. But um, um, you do, you know. I think that was definitely a huge lesson for us. You know, we. Uh, we came off, we came out to a pretty good start and then, uh, and then really it was like two different seasons. We, we just didn't finish the year the way, the way we hoped to, and then really just couldn't get, uh, we felt like that momentum, we just couldn't kind of get it back going into the playoffs and it ended up costing us in the end. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it, I think it's a, mi- a mixture of things. I think over the off season, we all looked at that as a staff, you know, and what we can do, whether it's when we practice, how we practice before games, you know, what we're, what we're going to, how we're going to treat training camp, you know, how, how we're going to manage our old, older guys, you know, maybe getting uh, some of our younger guys a little bit more experience, you know, and get them in the mix a little bit more. Um, not just kind of when we need them, if a guy goes down so that, um, you know, that they can find a way to contribute, but also to help, you know, take some pressure off some of the older guys and um, through, through the course of that ground, grind. But, you know, it's also a league where um, every, every week feels like a playoff game and every week is so important. Um, so you can't really, you, you can't take a night off too either. So, um, you know, but I, I do think it kind of start, we have talked about that a lot. We have looked at that a lot over the off season. I think it just kind of, kind of comes down to a, uh, a lot of little things, you know, and, you know, we, we travel, it, this is not an excuse by any means. It's a nice place to, to, uh, it's a nice destination when we get there, but we, we travel more, more than most teams. So, um, um, and we have guys coming in from all over the place. So you know, it's a little bit different for us, you know, so we got to kind of, again, make sure that these guys are ready and, and in the best possible uh, shape and, and uh, health uh, when they, when they step out, off the plane and, and are, are getting ready to be, compete. So, um, you know, again, we just got to kind of focus on the things that we can control. Uh, you mentioned before uh, kind of having to take a look in the mirror, leave the entire team that is, um, mm-hmm. and kind of assess how things went last year and the disappointment with the way the playoffs ended and stuff. I know you talked about some some steps that can be taken next year with uh, with the previous question, but after after the season yourself um, mm-hmm. looking in the mirror, like how how do you assess how you and your coaching staff did last season and what do you think you guys can do differently coming into this season? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty, it stung pretty, pretty, uh, pretty badly this year, uh, coming up short and, uh, and losing those two playoff games against Colorado at home. Right. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that we talk about a lot as a staff, there, there's, there's too many, again, great question. There's two, there's a lot, there's a long, there's a long list that I came up with when I looked myself in the mirror, that's for sure. But, you know, I don't think we have time to go through that entire list. So, you know, I, I think just, you know, again, I I think just managing the ebbs and flows of a season a little bit better, right? You can never get too comfortable in this league ever. 
you know, and not to say that we purposely did that uh, at all or, or, or ever really purposely took anything for granted. And again, like you said, we ran into some bad luck and injuries and stuff, but every, every team goes through that. I think what you have to do is again, try, try your best to make sure you manage the group so that you're peaking at the right time as you get to the end of the season. And um, you know, but that's a weekly kind of thing, almost daily, actually, you know, when, you know, as a coach and as a player, uh, you know, you approach your preparation for, for the following weekend. So especially when you can't get together uh, as much, you know, throughout the week as a team. So, um, yeah, there's some specific things that I think we can do a lot better uh, as a coaching staff. And I know that uh, the other guys and myself have been working hard at that. But, um, yeah, you know, I think, you know, it was it was also kind of, yeah, it, it, you know, we felt like we had a we had a great playoff team and and stuff. But uh, you know, you know, Colorado did a did a really good job, and uh, we learned a lot from that experience. Uh, there's always room for improvement. Like I think even Colorado was probably saying, "Hey, like we didn't mm-hmm. do everything we we thought we could or could, did as well as we thought we could." So I, I think you you go into every year reflecting and and try and improve, uh, like you said, not only from year to year, but week to week as we spend a couple of more minutes here on the San Diego Seals with Patrick Merrill. And we talked a lot about your offense. We talked about Frankie and, and O'Rig and goal, and, and we haven't really talked about the defense a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, you know, watching Drew Belgrave this summer, Pat, like I think this guy might be one of the most underrated defenders in the league. Like mm-hmm. I think this guy is so, so good. And then you you got another year with Graydon Bradley and Patrick Shume, a couple of big bodies back there. And listen, I think you're going to score enough goals to win a lot of games, but the defense can always improve. What? Who are you looking for on that back end? Are Trey LeClaire going to find a home on that back end? And who else are you looking for to make an impact for you this season? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think Drew is a, an underrated player. I was talking to him the other day, and, uh, you know, he's he's also just an underrated player um leader on our team too he's um he's been uh, such a stabilizing presence for us ever since we we first started in year one so you know but i i would say that that core group of young guys i think we do we do obviously have a, a veteran team and and brody and, and cam holding lead the way on the back end um you know as our veteran guys but after that you know we have a lot of guys that are under 25 years old back there that are that are that logged a lot of minutes for us over the last couple of years. And I think are ready to take an even, even more of a step like, you know, like Eli Goldbrack and like you said, shoe and, and Matt Sykes, who I think is a, is a, is a really great up and coming young defender, um, you know, and, and Brad's and all, and all those guys. But I, you know, we're also going to, I think one thing that I think we could get a lot better at um, is, uh, is our transition game. And, you know, I think we were pretty solid five on five, especially defensively. Um, you know, we, we struggled at times with a press and we struggled at times uh, getting the ball uh, quick enough up the floor and, and creating on man situations and getting the ball into our offensive stick. Um, so, you know, I think uh, guys like Trey and, and guys like uh, Mike McCannell, who was, uh, uh, our, our first rounder that uh, went back to from two years ago that went back to school at Stony Brook last year and played a couple of playoff games for us at the end of the year. Um, we're looking forward to having him uh, for a full season and full training camp this year. I think he's going to uh, make a really big impact on this game right away as well. Um, and, you know, I think a guy too that we get back this year that we're looking forward to taking a look at at training camp is Danny Logan. Um 
he's been uh, he's had a couple really really successful PLLC summers, and um, he's got a really you know dynamic defensive game that I think really translates well over to the indoor game. So. Um, you know, we're looking to be a little bit more athletic and, and be a little bit more faster coming out of the back end this year. That was a priority for us. Well, and the one other spot, Pat, that I wanted to bring up is uh, the face-off dot because mm-hmm. it's kind of been a bit of a revolving door there last season in particular, Bomberry and Cleland and, and a couple mm-hmm. other guys, you know, mixing in there to take draws. You go out and sign the milkman here, and, and I've been <laughs> clamoring for this guy to, to have a crack at the NLL for a couple of years now question is can he play some defense we know he's he's very good at drawing the ball and and you can mark it around this guy and all the rest of it but how excited are you to, to work with Farrell here and see what he can do inside the boards yeah he uh we're real excited uh you know I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do at camp and he he's uh you know I you know, actually you know I I've been tracking him for a little while and and uh um, like yourself watching the PLL and stuff, but then, you know, you never know the, the personality, right. The character kind of behind, uh, behind what you see on TV or, or on Instagram. But, uh, but, you know, I just got rave reviews from all of his teammates in the PLL and actually other players from around that league about what type of, uh, he's such a good guy. Right. And he's, he's a hard, hard working guy and he's a, he's a really committed guy and, and loves the game. So, and, and again, you know, couldn't be more excited to get an opportunity to, to compete for a spot on our team. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what he can do. You know, I think obviously again, there's going to have to be some teaching, right. With regards to the indoor game and some nuances, but, um, yeah, no, no disrespect to the guys that, that, uh, that, you know, did, did a good job for us at the X, but that was one area that we thought we could get a little bit better. And, and we're hoping that Connor can help in that way. One of the things I've seen over the last several years too, is it seems every year more and more players are moving in market for the season. Um, are mm-hmm. we going to see more guys moving in market? And I guess what mm-hmm. has been the local impact of these guys living in market? Absolutely. Um, you know, we, you know, it was a priority for Joe and 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 for for Steve and 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 us to try and have as many players in market as possible um, to help kind of develop the grassroots of of lacrosse, especially box lacrosse in in San Diego. And I I I think that they've done a our players that live down there um, have done a phenomenal job of doing that. Uh, if you look at um, the work that Cam Holding and, and Westberg. Um, have done to develop the junior seals program it's uh it's thriving it's 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 doing amazing down there at all age age levels girls and boys uh they're just loving the game down there and um you know obviously with covid over the last couple of years it's been a little bit challenging but that's uh that's been our bright light and uh, those guys deserve a lot of credit for for the work that they do down there and then um you know all the guys that live down there how many the guys season. are down there pat how many guys you got down there uh, yeah we, we we usually have uh around 10 guys that live that live in market oh, uh, awesome. during the season and then cam and wes uh are there and a few others uh are there uh all year round well yeah i was um, gonna so- say I, I saw i saw a bunch of you guys dressed up to the nines on the <laughs> runway the red carpet i don't know what was going on but i i gotta get this in because i know steve and, and joe and the seals have yeah. had a big part to do with uh, the world games coming to san diego brand new stadium there as well mm-hmm. and the world of lacrosse is coming to to socal man and 
And mm. Joe, like I said, Joe and Steve have been huge catalysts to making this happen. Just talk about that night and how excited to have the entire lacrosse world come to San Diego for the world champion. Oh, it, it was pretty amazing uh, just to be there. And, and, you know, for myself, you know, I was there to support the team and, and really, but really more so I was just kind of a lacrosse fan. It was, uh, uh, it was, it was pretty neat um, to have uh, members of the local uh, San Diego lacrosse community there and business community there, but also just the excitement around, around the game in that town. It's, uh, it's, it's literally exploding there and, and a lot that has a lot to do with obviously Steve and, and Joe's efforts and uh, and how passionate they are about the city and how much they believe in the city and, and how much they want to showcase it to the rest of the world. So um, the World Games are going to be quite quite the event, and it's a ticket that everyone's going to want to want to want to purchase if they uh, if they if they are a lacrosse fan um, because it's it's a state of the art, brand new, first class facility and. Uh, it's definitely going to be a first-class event. But you'd be surprised in terms of how strong and, and deeply rooted that lacrosse community is out there. And like I said, the, the indoor game is also just, you know, kind of is just has just taken off as well due to the impact of the uh, impact of the Seals uh, over and above yeah. all the international stuff and the World Championships coming to, to San Diego as well. So lots of buzz there. It's it's kind of the place to be for a lacrosse fan right now. So I'm I'm just... I'm just grateful to be a part of it, yeah. a small part of it. No doubt. I went to, to Sonoma and, and like three quarters of my team was recruited from, from San Diego and the surrounding area. So I, no you know, it's just a matter of time before these guys start taking the box lacrosse. Couple quick ones here, Pat. Uh, mm-hmm. Jake Govett going to make the team or what? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty deep left side. No, I know. Pretty deep left side. I know, but, uh, but uh, probably a practice you know, roster secured there, I would think, maybe. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, we, we drafted Jake, and we're happy to draft. You know, one of the things offensively, right, over and above, obviously, uh, improving our right side was, you know, we are we are getting a little bit older, right, as an offense, as you guys have mentioned, and, and so – um, and you know, we, we needed to get a little bit more size, which obviously and athleticism, which, which obviously Curtis and, and Kevin bring to the table, but, um, we could also, we, we could have used, we could use some more, um, uh, size and athleticism on the, on the left side as well. Oh, he's got and, that. And guys that. He's got that. And, he? and guys that don't need the ball as much. Right. Yeah. And that can, uh, create space and, um, you know, create space for Austin and, and, and Dobes and Casey and, um, but also have good hands. And I feel well, like I was going to say way we, better we hands, address that. way better hands than the old man for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I know it's on play. I hear, I hear he's pretty good, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I think we had, that was a focus for ours going into the draft, obviously. So being able to get, grab Jake and, and Adam Noakes, too, yeah. as well. Yeah, you're going to like we that kid, Patty. Out. Let me tell you, I, I don't know how much you watch Adam Noakes play, but I watched a lot of this kid, and he's a gamer. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I actually got a chance to watch him quite a bit online over the course of the summer, and uh, and actually last summer as well. And I, I uh, he just grew on me every game I watched him play. He watched him play, and he does a lot of things that maybe – you know, go, go unnoticed tenacious. on the score sheet, but, uh, but, but yeah, tenacious. So having him and Jake in there banging around and, and pushing for, pushing for a roster spot and pushing for a, 
a spot in the lineup, I think just makes us a better team. All right. I know you're a big fantasy football guy. And uh, if you want to throw <laughs> some, throw some shit, do you got an update on fantasy football for us? How you're, how you're doing? And you want to throw some I, shade around it? Anybody? I might, Go ahead. No, no, I, I actually can't because I might have the two worst fantasy football teams of all time. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm all, I'm all in three or I think one and three or whatever I am. I think I've got one win between the two teams. Uh, so I can't uh, throw any shade. I'm okay. sorry. Fair enough. Uh, no need. So, Pat, uh, once again, thanks for, for coming on Lax Class here, man. Uh, appreciate your time as always, and best of luck with those seals coming up this year. We'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Thanks, fellas. Great questions from you all. Oh. Absolutely awesome. <laughs> triple ding. That's the triple it. ding right there. All right, Pat. Thanks, man. <laughs> all right, boys. See ya. Take all care. Right. There you go, the Mad Dog, Pat Merrill. I don't know if he likes to be called Mad Dog anymore, but uh, that was the... You can call me Mad Dog. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Mad Dog Merrill, right there, general manager, head coach of the San Diego Seals, and uh, like he was saying, didn't meet expectations last year. They pick up a couple of players that may just help them reach those expectations this year, fellas. Yeah, you land two guys like that, you can't do much wrong. I mean, a guy like Jeremy Noble is kind of on the ouch just because there's not a whole lot of space. But, you know, I think it still comes down to goaltending and can Frankie last the season? And that's been the book on him. So we'll see if something changed. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. But, well, you I know, think that this, goaltending's got to be there. Right? I think this, Evan, with now Wrigley being a little more seasoned, I think they're going to find a couple of games throughout their schedule where they can give Frank a breather. Whether it's, you know, a half a game here, a quarter off there, or even a back-to-back situation, I don't even think they have those, but there'll be a week or two through those 18 weeks of the regular season where I think you're going to see O'Reilly get a start or two. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me, and it's a smart move. You know, if you got to keep, the key is win at the end of the season, right? It's not what you do during the season, you just need a, you need a seat at the show, win at the end, right? Do you know? Yeah, I just I was going to say as well, just like as a Vancouver guy, seeing how much San Diego now has bolstered their roster, I'm so fired up for that rivalry next season because uh, those were some hateful games. Baby. And I think it's just going to get – I think that might turn into one of the best rivalries in the league. It and I'm could. really excited for it. It could. Me too, man. Uh, all right. There it is. Third quarter is in the books. Means one more to go here on Lax Class. It's Lax Class Locks. They're coming up next here on Lacrosse Classified on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is Christian Del Bianco from the Calgary Roughnecks. You're listening to Lacrosse Class 5, growing the game one podcast at a time. Quarter number four is underway, which means no more breaks here on the podcast. But I do have to thank Associated Labels and Packaging for their continued support. AssociatedLP.com. They focus on people, ethics, quality, and of course, family owned for over 40 years in Coquitlam. Labels and packages, there's no other place to go. Associated Labels and Packaging are your people. Uh, We're recording on Monday afternoon here, about uh, half an hour away from kickoff. Rams and 49ers here. This isn't our lax class locks, guys, but uh, 
just to add a little fun to the to the podcast here, who you, who do you like tonight in Monday Night Football? Rams or 49ers? My survivor picks the 49ers this week. So you're taking the Niners to win. Yeah. Go go Rams then, I guess. Yeah. Go Rams. <laughs> just for the sake of arguing. Go, go Rams. Rams. Indeed. Go Rams indeed. All right, Evan. Well, I, 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 yeah, I've got one buyback left. So it's like, okay, and it, it's this is the last we can use it. So it's like, let's take a small favor. And if I got a buyback, I buy back. All right. Nobody cares about your survivor pool, Evan. <laughs> it's only six grand on the Speaking line. Speaking of disc either. golf, no, uh, <laughs> let's get to Lax Glass Locks. It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hereby declare lock of the week. We have not heard the money drop on the Lax Glass Locks soundbite for, I don't know, guys. I I honestly, I cannot remember the last time that we pulled in a win. We mentioned off the top, Dowick screwed us last week picking the Cleveland Browns. I should have just vetoed that, like right there and then, like, no. (laughs) You're not taking Cleveland on the road as a favorite especially without their starting quarterback. Anyways, no Dalek this week. Tino is back. And Tino, just so you know, if you do not get your pick right this week, you are exiled from the parlay next week. Evan got his pick right. I got my pick right. You didn't get a pick last week, but you did the week prior. So we'll allow you to participate this week. How about that? Wow. Thank Wow. What an honor. (laughs) Thank you. You get to go first. Oh, I get to go first too. Yeah. All right. Well, don't screw uh, up. Don't screw up. Okay. Well, thanks, Coach. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go back to Old Faithful here, the one that I mentioned before that was just such a glorious pick, and it would have just it would have gotten everybody oh, so much money, so much, rich even, rich. Oh, and then Evan just blindsided oh, everybody. So God. going back to we got Cloud Nine Gaming once again, and can you guys guess who they're playing this time? No. Edward gaming no again. Yeah. <laughs> and they're feeling hot. They're feeling hungry and they're looking for two in a row. So cloud nine over Edward gaming plus three forty. as it. jumbo says book it. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Evan, who you got? Well, Syria this week is a bit of a tough one. So I'm going to steer away from that. We're going to go formula one, the Japanese grand prix. Ooh. Yeah. Now, Max Verstappen. What do they call the track good. there in Japan? Uh, Yokohama? I can't remember. Something. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Anyways, Max Verstappen, if I put him in, in the parlay, that's the money's so poor that it's not even worth attempting. So we're going to go to Charles Leclerc, who's second in the, in the standings right now. It is a uh, minus 182 for him to be in the top three. So that's what we're going with. I like it. I like it. Ferrari... Sounds like a pretty safe bet to me. So cloud nine, Charles Leclerc to finish on the podium. And I'm going to dip my toe into the NFL pool. Show Dowick how it's done here this week. Uh, I apologize to Nick Rose and, and Rob Buckin and others who I know are big Pittsburgh Steeler fans here. But Pat Gregoire and Chuck Ragusa and half of Ontario will be excited to hear. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills to cover 14 here. Let's make it 13 and a half just to make things simple. 
which will get you, what, a minus 123 here. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are just a god-awful football team this season. And I think the Buffalo Bills are a really, really good football team this season. So give me the Bills by two touchdowns here by for uh, minus 123. And I think yeah. if this bet hits, uh, Jumbo, I think you got to jump through one of those uh, foldable Table? tables. Table? Dude, crash a table. Might be... Uh, Video's got to go up after on the after the track. disc golf tournament. After the disc golf tournament, <laughs> hey, I got I got digs in my in my fantasy pool, so you know I need a bit of a comeback for him this week. So let's go. All right, uh, Evan, can you add all that up? What uh, what are the people looking at here? I have no idea. Well, I take some time. Take some time. Minus one. Joseph, be aware there, Jake. Uh, you got to be careful when you're dealing with the Steelers. That's that's my dad's team. So, oh, okay. uh, well, Mister Farrow might be. Uh, might be on your tail. Listen, there. I, I, I kind of like the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'll say this: Mike Tomlin, you know, I, I, he hasn't had a losing record in about 15, 16 years or something like that. Real good coach, but I just think he is undermanned uh, with the Steelers this year, and they're in trouble. So, Bills are away. Okay. So you said um, minus or minus one twenty three on the Bills. Yeah. Cloud and nine. What's, you know what was nine. that? Plus three forty. Uh, this is podcast. Well, yes, while Evan does math, it is a plus eleven thirty six. So yeah, what are we doing there? That's probably like one sixty, one eighty return, something like that. <laughs> Let me calculate it for you. Do you want it, any it's, more it's, evidence? It's going to be around two hundred fifty bucks. Oh, there you go. Easy money, people. The bounce back is real. Cloud nine bills to cover, and Charles Leclerc to show. I like it. What else do I got to say here? Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and put those five-star reviews down. I know I kind of say this every week, and it's because it's a big deal. Like, if you do this, it seriously helps our outreach on the podcast. So you may think, oh, yeah, I'm just li-. No, no. Just go. Just click that five stars. Quick review. It's much appreciated. Don't forget to give us a follow on social media as well at Shemlax at Fair. Well, can I get one thing in before sure, we get, yeah. we cl- kill the show? Promotions? Is that what you want to? No, oh. I put this poll out there because actually after Adam leaving. By the way, I, I think that that whole like math segment right there killed killed the show already. But anyways, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so posted a very simple question because he did his article on rebowering is to which player is better on the Warriors. Bowering or Mitch Jones, and of course, some people uh, Keegan said Ball. Uh, Keegan Ball. What do you guys think? Who is the best of the three? That's tough. Uh, I'd I'd have a hard time. I would have a hard time calling Reed Bowering the best after one season. So uh, I'm going to go with Mitch Jones currently, someone who's proven himself defensively earlier in his career, and obviously offensively in the later stages of his career. If Bowering has a couple more years under his belt, maybe I have a different answer, but. I don't. Unlike Tino's rule change, I I agree with that. I think give me Mitch Jones healthy all season long, and then let's see where. Well, I think Ball's got room to grow as well. Like I think his numbers mm-hmm. might go up with Mitch healthy all year long. Is but I think it's the intangibles with Mitch Jones that pulls the rope for that Warriors team. Like he just brings guys into the fight with him. And I'm not sure Keegan does that. Like Keegan is an absolute stud and he's a big time star in this league. But I just think Mitch, he's the the leader. You know what I mean? See, I'm in the camp of the slight majority. It was 59-41. Of course, we didn't have 
Keegan Ball on this one, but I am in the Bowering camp on this one. Yeah, I think the, at the end the of the day, Evan, I, he will be. But like Tino said, it's too early to slap well, that moniker. But, on. but here, here's here's the argument I'll put to you, and that is Reed Bowering, in my opinion, is the second best in the entire league at what he does, only behind Zach Courier. That to me is why he's the best player on the team because I can't say Mitch Jones is the second best forward in the league, right? So to me, that's the that's the thing that puts Bowering over the top, and that's why I'm in that camp. Yeah, that's that's a fair point, Evan. I, I, that's a pretty good argument to be made there for sure. Uh, kick it around; it's up there on Twitter. You can go vote on that. Back to my social media, Ferratino. I'm at PXP for sports. The show is at Lacrosse Classified on Instagram. It's at Lax Class on Twitter. Got a Facebook page and an email as well, lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. Some people get at us through the email. We appreciate them all, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And we look forward to being back next week, every week, with another episode. 205 is coming up. Uh, Jimmy Quinlan, Pat Merrill, thanks to you for coming on the program. And to the listener who continue to check out Lax Class each and every week right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast network but now we gotta go we'll talk to you next week for evan schemenauer and tino farah i've been jake elliott for the fastest game on tv for the creator stay safe stay healthy and stay classified